Hey ladies, welcome to Yes and Amen, where we talk about growing in our faith with biblical truths, real life testimonies, and meditating on God's word. Now I'm your host, Priscilla's Pearl Dominguez. Let's get it. Fabulous. Okay, we are here. Welcome, welcome y'all um, to another episode of a Yes and Amen. This is one of our first few and I am so excited because I am introducing a woman that I love deeply and is just an incredible powerhouse of a human being on this earth. Um, and her name is Ashley Avrakami. Um, she is here. She's coming actually by way of California right now. She used to live in New York and then she left me, but it's okay. <laughs> but she left to, you know, a better place where life is just better. Um, and so, yeah, this is Ashley Abakami. She is um, a writer, a speaker, and her first book, which if you know me or follow me on Instagram, you already know about this book because I share about it often or have given it away through We Are Full. So, um, yeah, her book is Rise of the Truth Teller. Own your story, tell it like it is, and live with holy gumption. Um, and I just love that because I probably never heard the word gumption before this book came out. <laughs> so I love that she mentioned that as her title, her book, and that's available anywhere you can find books. Um, and she's also a co-host of a hilarious and helpful podcast, which is called Why Though? Uh, and so also something that I've shared on, on my platforms, if you follow me as well. So definitely check out that podcast if you don't already. She, you know, sometimes it's really fun and funny. Sometimes it's about very serious um, topics. And so her and her friend um, just talk about really important things that matter. Um, so definitely check out that podcast. Um, and yeah, she, like I said before, she lives in LA with her husband and two sons, which are adorable. And another one on the way, a little princess is coming into the world. Uh, and so make sure, yeah, that you check her out, purchase her book, read and watch her content, say hello to her on her website that is so beautiful, which is ashabrakami.org. And so, yeah, I'm so excited to have you, Ashley. You already know, I love you. I'm just excited um, that we get to start this podcast community and and launch and journey with you at the beginning with one of the first few episodes as, as my first guest. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so honored to be here. You know that I'm one of your number one fans on the planet <laughs> and think you are one of the most amazing women I have ever met. And so it is seriously such a joy to be here to serve your podcast listeners. And, and I love We Are Full. I love the yoga. I love the meditations. I love the way you guys think about the world. I love your challenges for us to stretch broader than the life we're currently living and giving us practical tools to do that. And so I'm so grateful to be here. And I love the name of this podcast. I think <laughs> if I didn't know you at all, I'd be like, yes, I'm clicking on this. So it's fabulous. And I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. Uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful. Um, we talked uh, a little earlier about, I was talking about your book and it's, you know, it's all about truth telling. And even mm -hmm. since the very moment I met you, um, which was a few years ago, I think 2017, mm -hmm. um, I just immediately was like, this is an honest person. This is a transparent mm -hmm. person. And, you know, and to be honest, like that maybe has not been always my experience with people who are titled as pastors or ministers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I was just so, there was just a deep connection and things that one thing that I really noticed about you was that before I actually even like actually knew you and com became completely obsessed with you. So it just <laughs> that you are a truth teller. And so it's just so obviously it makes sense, the book that you wrote. Uh, and that's today's topic, right? We're going to be talking about honesty and truth. Uh, and that, that in the context of several things, that in the context of us as individuals within the body of Christ, in the top context of being in the world and showing up in honest and truthful ways. Uh, and the reason why I felt led to even start this journey of this podcast 
with this topic is that because I think it is so important and so foundational for the, the Christian faith. Because if we're not living in truth and honesty, then nothing else really uh, honestly matters. Then justice won't come to be, right? Right. Um, we won't repent. We won't live in our purpose. Like all right. of these things are founded in the 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 thing that focuses is truth and honesty. Um, yeah. And so that's why I think it's so important that we get to talk about this and that I get to talk about it with you because I think there's a lot of um, just Christians trying to figure out what that looks like in a way that is healthy in a way that is can be foundational and in a way that um they're wise with how they're honest and who they're honest with right and so yeah i'm grateful that we get to talk about this because i know it's a journey that i've been on and learning what it looks like um just as you have as well and so yeah let's get right to it um you know in talking about honesty and speaking truth i feel like the first question in general is like what actually leads you to just live a life um, where you are constantly speaking truth and being honest. Yeah. Well, you know what? I love some of the examples that you mentioned because it, it to me, when you say it that way, there's so much at stake if we don't tell the truth, right? Like mm. our personal well-being, our place and role in the world, the opportunity we have to connect with people in a way that's authentic and genuine and to build relationships that are meaningful and reciprocal. And so there really is so much at stake when we choose dishonesty. And I was a person, I like to say that I had a PhD in pretending. <laughs> like I knew how to pretend and perform from a very young age. I was raised in the South in North Carolina and had a beautiful upbringing. And honestly, it was a really great place to grow up. Like I have zero regrets about being raised in a small town. I thought it was so awesome. But the dangerous side of that for me personally was that everybody knew me, but nobody really knew me at all. Mm. And I didn't know how to sort of open up and share that I had needs, that I was also a real person. I was very often on the caretaker side, as you probably would say in your world, <laughs> but of where I'm constantly caring for others, making sure they're okay, making sure the environment's okay so everybody can flourish and function. And so it set me up for a lot of pretending and performing. And it worked until it didn't. And I remember when I went off to college, at the ripe young age of, of 18 and just really was challenged. I went from a 14,000 person small town to a campus of 40,000 students. Mm -hmm. I went to uh, classrooms of you know 25 to 30 to classrooms of three to 400. And so I was really out of my element and I felt very much untethered to anything. But what the good in all of it is that it sort of made my lies fall apart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it sort of made me begin to adapt new behaviors and habits like addiction to drugs, to um, abuse of alcohol and bulimia and eating disorder to try to control my environment, to try to cope, to try to find a way to deal with myself and keep the pretending up. And so it, it continued to fall apart in those college years. And I went through several of the most difficult times in my life. I was sexually assaulted on campus by a guy that I knew. And, um, you know, we didn't know each other well but we definitely knew each other and had seen each other, you know, for several months in a row. And it was one of the most devastating times in my life. But to show you how far I had gone with this idea of masking is that I literally, after the sexual assault, I woke up the next morning and went to work as if nothing had ever happened to me because I just did not know how to be a whole person. And I did not know what to do with pain. And I did not know what to do with sorrow or with grief. And I thought that you just had to put it somewhere and forget about it. And I wanted to really separate myself from any type of pain or heart 
hardship. I just didn't know how to integrate, you know, mind, body, and soul. I didn't know how to integrate pain and joy. I didn't know how to live with sort of those tensions in my life. I thought everything had to be perfect and okay, or everything was just completely falling apart. And I had no in between. And so over time, I made a decision to move out to Los Angeles because I really wanted to, you know, figure out like, how can I get as far away from the situation as possible? <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. I thought, I leave, what will happen is everything will go away. And so I moved to LA and that was true for about two months. And then I realized, you know what, everywhere you go, there you are and you cannot escape yourself and Mm -hmm. you cannot escape the skeletons that you hide in the closet. You cannot act like the pain is not still impacting you or the trauma that you might have experienced is not still readily available at any time. And so Mm -hmm. as I began my journey in LA, I started to find recovery and started to find healing. And I think that was really the beginning of my journey with honesty is because in a different town, I had no expectations of who I should be. And I didn't have any standards of myself that other people had put on me or my perception of what they had put on me really. And so it was great to start in a new town. I could allow myself sort of the freedom to fall completely apart without people judging me, without people rejecting me, without people abandoning me. Cause I didn't know anyone. So I was like, this is the perfect place to sort of let it all hang. And if people like me, cool. And if they don't, I'm out, you know, (laughs) and and that was the beginning of the recovery journey for me. So I think what has kept me honest all these years is that I saw how wonderful it was to live with integrity. And I saw what it felt like to not have to be a different person in every environment, to be one type of person at church and one person at home and one person with this group of friends and one and another person with that group of friends. And I really learned what it feels like to have integrated your life in such a way that you can show up in spaces honestly. And this is years in the making. It's not like I just snapped my fingers and was better. You know, recovery works one day at a time, one step at a time. You know, it's not, you don't snap your fingers and get better. Even though I believe in deliverance, you still have the working out of your salvation, right? Like that's what we believe as believers. And it's the working out part that sometimes really hard. Mm -hmm. But over time, just learned that there's so much more freedom. My relationships got richer. I lost relationships too. Because when you get honest, and especially if you're a caretaker, when you change or, you know, set new boundaries or decide that people can't treat you a certain way, you know, the people that have been treating you a certain way don't like that. So I lost a lot of relationships and I gained so much more though in mental peace and clarity and the assurance that who I was is a good thing, that I didn't need to alter myself to show up in the world, that actually God had made me the way he made me. And it was important for me to show up as he made me, not as someone else that I wanted to be or someone else that I thought was better or that some other people might accept a bit more. And so, yeah, yeah that's, that's the beginning journey of my, my journey with integrity. Yeah, <laughs> I hear, I mean, thank you. I mean, that in itself is the beginning of like honesty, right? Just sharing um, a lot of what you just shared is also in your book. Um, and, you know, I think in sharing what you were sharing, I heard a lot of it sounding like, when not being truthful, it was bondage, you know, yes. it, was, it was slavery. You were like in a, in a cage really, right? Like yes. literally not living free. So it, it just makes me, you know, think of like, literally when, when God is saying, when Jesus is saying um, in John, in John eight and 31 to 32, he says, so Jesus said to, to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. And so I think when, you know, he's talking really about himself because yeah. he says he's the way, the truth and the life. That's right. And so he's like, when you know me, when you know the truth, then you will live in freedom. But when we are living um, in a mask, when we're living pretending, when we're living 
um, trying to, because we realize the word abide, uh, we can abide to anything, right? Like we, we should abide to God, but we can really abide to anything. So, so true. when we abide to bondage, we then um, are not just living a life that is, li- you know, of lies and pretending, but it's also a life of like, not like opposite of freedom. Yeah. And so it's even acknowledging the truth of how those two are connected and yeah. how really it's something that God freely wants to give us. But there's like a choice, just like we have free will, right? Just like how we choose to follow him. It's a choice to actually respond to that freedom. Yes. Um, and know that the freedom will, like you said, involve a process. So I think that's probably yeah. like, honestly, for me, I would say is the hindrance has been the hindrance sometimes of really accepting certain things. It's like, oh, but I know it's going to be a process. I might need a therapist. Like it's going to be a while, right. you know, and like, and yep. although it's, it's silly things to in a way complain, but we all, it's just, it's the truth. And I think yes. sometimes that truth, um, accepting that truth really moves us in a place of like, well, my pretending and my cage is a little bit more comfortable and familiar. Right. And that's such a dangerous idea, but it's also where we, a lot of us fall into. Yeah. Um, and I think of you, when I think of you too, I, like I had said too, when I met, when I met you, um, you know, I knew you were a pastor. Uh, I was, you know, specifically looking for a new community, a new church. Um, and I knew, uh, and that's w- at least what I knew about you. And so that's also in a way why I was a little bit surprised of how honest you were, because, <laughs> uh, you know, no shade to pastors and preachers totally. of the world, but like, I literally had not met one so honest and truthful. And Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had shared with you some experiences that I'd gone through and you had shared and you just immediately, uh, we both have gone through several things. We both mm-hmm. had abortions. We both had several mm-hmm. same experiences. But when yes. I was sharing those things with you, you know, if I'm honest, I, w- I didn't expect you, even if you have gone through those things to say you have, yeah. I just ex- probably expected like, oh, for you to encourage me around it and things like that, which is nice and cool. But for the fact that you actually was like, you were actually like, I've actually experienced this too. And this is what resulted in it. And like something we connected to with was with church hurt and being a part of churches that were really traumatizing for us. And again, another thing I just didn't expect you, I expect you to encourage me around, but not to um, have experience. And even if you have experienced it to actually share it. So I think of that, like what, what is it? I mean, and you obviously don't have to have like the ultimate answer in the world, but like, what do you think it is within the body of Christ or even particularly like leadership that kind of hinders that level of honesty? Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that level of honesty actually could even set others free that, that are under leadership or shepherding um, or the sheep of, you know, of a, a shepherd. Uh, mm-hmm. But the lack of honesty, I think, actually keeps not only that person in bondage, but like their congregation <laughs> in bondage. Totally. And so, you know, I, I don't see that in you. And, and I want them like, well, Lord, what, what is it? You know, what what is it that leads her to do this? And even what do you think perhaps it's the thing that causes um, other perhaps pastors or ministers or teachers or leaders to do the opposite, to kind of live in a in a in an image, really? Hmm. Well, that's the key word. And how I was going to answer is that, you know, I think we've been taught in the church to value our image over the, our integrity. Mm. And sometimes I think like, is this a modern phenomenon with social media and YouTube and like all these things, you know, are we all just trying to like filter everything and make it look pretty? But gosh, if you go all the way back to the garden in Genesis, like mm. this is where it starts. I mean, one of the first things they do 
after they've made a mistake is hide from God. Wow. And God has to say to them, where are you? And what do they say? <laughs> you know, they don't, wow. they're not directly honest with God. They don't open up to him about what just happened. They don't begin to share, like, we just made the biggest mistake of our lives. Like they don't do that. They hide. Hmm. And God is so loving and kind that he covers them. You know, he finds animal skins to cover them and love them and care for them. But from the very beginning, we have valued image over integrity. Another example in the Bible, um, and I write about this in my book too, is the Tower of Babel. And they were creating this, this really tall, incredible tower because God said to them, like, you know, if they do this together, nothing will be impossible for them. Mm -hmm. And so that God from his vantage point was examining like, wow, when, when my people work together, look at that, look what they can do. Nothing will be impossible for them. But then what does God do? He has to scatter them because they were building an image unto themselves and they were seeking to make a name unto themselves. And they wanted to kind of collect themselves in their rich little area and like build this beautiful thing to remember themselves and not to remember and honor God and to remember his commands that they're supposed to be looking out towards the world and gathering people in and opening up their lives and bringing people in. So throughout the whole Bible, you see sort of this image I mean, this image over integrity. And so I think that what we deal with now is in leadership is the exact same thing. I think it is so much harder for pastors and for people in general to just open up, which is what pastors are, by the way. You know, they're not perfect. They're, they're just people like you. Um, and so I think that there is this, this need for pretending, this need to act like everything's okay. I think there's also pressure on pastors if they receive it and they take that on. There's pressure on pastors to have all the answers. And there's a lot of pressure on pastors to, you know, to respond in a million different ways. Like nowadays to be a pastor, you don't just get to shepherd people. You have to be a dynamic communicator. You have to run 15 teams in your church. You have to be great at social media. You have to be able to, you know, write the vision and make it plain and help people run after it. And there's like a long list of things that pastors are doing that have nothing to do with actual shepherding. And so I think that all that pressure on them also keeps them in this place where it's harder to be honest. But I really found through my recovery work, and I've got 17 years now under my belt of freedom from drugs, um, abuse of alcohol, and from um, you know eating disorders, 17 years of freedom, I have found that to, in order for me to stay sober, I have to be honest. And I have also found in pastoring and loving people and journeying alongside them, that I'm not better than anybody else. And that while God, at the end of my life, he says he holds teachers of the word to a higher standard, they'll be judged more harshly than other people. So that's very sobering for me. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I try not to lift myself up to somebody's leader or somebody's pastor. You know, it's like, you're a human being. I'm a human being. Can we relate? Can we connect? And if somebody's open and asking, which is another thing you learn through recovery, I'd love to offer you something. But if you're not, I want to relate and connect with you and be with you. And I think that's who Jesus is. I don't think he was, you know, trying to be a CEO of a company. I feel like the Lord is so relational. He was often sitting down with people at meals. He was talking to them. Did he stand up and say hard things when they needed to be said? 100%. Did he do hard things that needed to be done? 100%. But you find that his relation, his leadership is more relational and more connected and more like, Hey, I'm in and among you versus I'm above and you're beneath me. And so for me, I really wanted to figure out what is it about Jesus that allowed him to get down on his knees in John 13 and serve his people to wash their feet. He did not lord his power over them. And in fact, there's instruction to us from the apostle Peter in the epistles that he wrote. And he talks about this where he says, you know, you have not been given this power to lord over people, but mm. to serve them. And so for me, I think part of the work of integrity and part of the work of <laughs> loving others is really remembering, you know what? 
I don't have to yield to these pressures that everybody says I have to yield to. I want to value my integrity over image. I'm going to be in deep rooted relationships where people can call me out and say hard things to me. As many pastors and leaders are not in that position where they have close friends who will say to them, Hey, you're kind of being a jerk. <laughs> like, and we all need that. So I wasn't going to bow to that pressure that, that leadership is lonely and isolated and that nobody can be close to me. And then I also wasn't going to bow to the pressure that says, you know, I have to be a hundred things to a hundred people. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I am who I I am and it's going to hurt some people and it's going to disappoint some people and they might come to me for answers that I don't have but you know what I can do is I can come alongside people as a friend and as an advocate and as a comfort and as a presence and I really believe that that's who Jesus is I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is in our lives and so for me that's what keeps me honest but I, I understand why pastors go this route <laughs> like yeah, I understand <laughs> You know, it's much easier to to set up a bunch of walls and barriers, and you can do that through pretending, you can do that through leading, you can do that through acting like you have all the answers and that your way is the best way. You know, that's all, all that is, is just an, a way to keep distance between you and other people because mm-hmm. you're scared of real intimacy and you're scared of getting hurt. And I get that. <laughs> I really do. But at the same time, I, I just didn't want that. And I don't think it cultivates equity. I don't think it cultivates health. I think it doesn't do a good job of dismantling hierarchies that are unnecessary in faith communities and that actually end up distancing and hurting a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but I get it. I get why yeah. pastors do it. It's very tempting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear when you were talking, I was hearing um, just two, two things, especially from two different perspectives. So from the perspective of leadership, um, it's mm-hmm. really an invitation to be humble, to hum- yes. like really like just like remind yeah. ourselves, like you said, that we are, you know, the people, like whether you're yes. a pastor, leader, minister, whatever, that you get to still be humble um, and you get to be last and you get yes. to be least. Yes. Um, right. Because yes. that actually is what will serve the people that you've been called to serve and glorify God. And also heal you in the process and lead you to yes. freedom. Uh, yes. And then I hear even from the perspective of, a, of a, what you could say, a congregant or someone within a ministry or under a leadership of even um, changing perspective and not trying to be like that person, but trying to yes. be like Jesus, right? And yes. seeing that person like, okay, you know, I think sometimes we have this image like, oh, they're, they're sinless. And I'm like, well, <laughs> not at no. all. <laughs> right. And they so, are just as unholy as you, no matter how they pretend. Exactly, and, and if, <laughs> right. And if we try to, um, and and the, I would say the mistake of someone under leadership of a pastor or a leader or whatever, when they're seeing their pastor or leader or whoever as that, as like you know holier or whatever, yes. then what they'll try to do is be like them versus yes. being like Jesus. Come on. So it's the two things for leaders um, and pastors and ministers to be humble, and then for congregants and people under a certain leadership to really love still the person as they are but not follow them but follow jesus again with that scripture where it's saying um i think it's john 14 where it's saying i'm the way the truth and life jesus is saying that right so he's saying like believe the truth the truth will set you free and i'm the way yes there are going to be christians around you that give you good examples that come on living righteously great but they are not the way (laughs) that's exactly right they're still going to lead you somewhere that is not where God wants you um, yes. because they are not Jesus themselves. Um, yes. And then he is the life, right? Like life can only be found in him. It is not going to be found under uh, within a ministry or under someone else's leadership. Yeah, uh, and I think, yeah, and like, I, like even the thing that I said before of that, based on what you're sharing and even now, it just, it's also that in itself is a process because mm-hmm. I know for me, I grew up in the church. Um, 
and I think my perspective or, or what I guess I didn't really realize that I was being taught this perspective, but I did see, you know, leadership or pastors or in my church when I was growing up, there was deacons and things like that, right? Like the deacons and all this stuff. I saw them as like, you know, uh, better or holier. And then totally. when I would find out things as a kid, right? Like some crazy yes. stuff, I'd be like, oh my God, this can't be, like, I couldn't even, like, I literally didn't believe it. I was like, no, this must yes. be a lie because that person is a deacon. This must be a lie because this person is the choir director, right? So, right. and that's obviously as a kid, I had less information and less understanding of, of the Bible. But now when I look about it, I'm like, there's still some ways that I think that way still, it just looks differently. So it's like even choosing yes. to unlearn that and really see that like, wow, this person is a deacon, they committed the sin. Um, yes. I wonder what led them to that. Did they have community, right? Like there's also Love more that. compassion that shows up yes. versus like being in awe <laughs> that right. they did something. Um, right. because then we see the person, we see the sin more than the person. Um, mm. and so, yeah, it's just such a, cause you know, most churches I would say nowadays don't got deacons, don't got all these things, Totally, but, but it still has leaders that we yes. can be, and not just churches, but there's ministries outside of churches, you know, um, you're yes. part of ministry outside of churches so, as, as yes. am I, and even in that, you know, being uh, wise with how we are looking at people and being reminded that they are people, we get to love them where they are, but we are not yes. meant to be following them. Um, Come on. Yeah. And that even say a whole me, word. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me um, of, you know, Ephesians, uh, you know, all Christians, we always ready. We have, like, we know what the scripture is like, I'll put the full armor of God, which yeah. is such a powerful word. But I think like, I don't know, I just have never really felt like people emphasize the belt of truth. Like, mm. you know, I mean, maybe most people that's don't true. even wear belts. So maybe that's not something to that's think about. True. But it's like, there's right. there's a well, there's a, a piece of equipment in this armor y'all that involves truth that involves yes. wearing it putting it on um and it's just so i don't know why but it just it's so interesting to me that it's like our belt the belt would be halfway through our body so it's basically saying like That's this right. is meant to be like the middle ground of everything that we're supposed to live out right and that and then we're, we get to wear it and it gets to hold us together so our pants don't fall. We don't look crazy. Come on. Yes. <laughs> right? But literally, so we can be held down um, by truth. So, so yeah, it's so, I just think it's just so important. It has to do with so many things in our life to just live a life of truth. Um, and so I want to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I, like, I, when I think about the placement of the belt on the body, exactly where you're talking about, um, you know, it's close to the gut. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and so often in the Psalms, when the Psalmist, whether it's David or it's a, another one of the Psalters who's crying out, they're talking about their bowels and they have tracked when, um, your gut, like when you have things going on in your life and your gut isn't functioning properly, when things aren't working out, it can breed other diseases because this place of the gut is where it, everything gets cleansed. It's where wow. everything gets made whole. Mm -hmm. And um, compassion, like the root word of compassion in the Bible is also connected to the gut because mm -hmm. compassion is not empathy or feeling sorry for. Compassion is immediate move to action. So I think about how many things get stunted when that that truth that's in our gut is not allowed to come out. When we become disconnected from our body, from our red flags, from, you know, our mental state, from our emotions and everything gets sort of, you know, separated and parsed off. And we're kind of living this disconnected, disjointed, fractured existence. We don't have that belt of truth kind of wrapped wow. around us to guide the gut. And the other thing, if compassion flows out of the gut, and if we're not being honest with ourselves, think about how much we need compassion in our world today and also how much we lack it. I mean, you mm -hmm. go online for five minutes and like, are you kidding? Are you guys really cr 
Christians? Like, what are you doing? But that's because how can, if a, if a gut is not operating honestly, how can compassion flow from there? Wow. If you don't have compassion for yourself and honesty for yourself, how can you begin to flow out towards others? And so we need the gut to be operating properly and it is deeply connected to truth. And I knew that was one of the things that I really had to work on, especially as someone who had been through a sexual assault and someone who had denied her feelings and emotions for years. I had denied my body when it would respond. Like my body, has, I have a pretty good gut instinct and I ignored it for like the first 25 years of my life, you know? Wow. And I think having to relearn how to listen to myself having to relearn how to pay attention to my body and my mind and my heart when an environment was unsafe, when a person was unsafe, sometimes I would push right past that because I'm thinking, well, I need to be kind. I need to be sweet. I need to give them grace, et cetera. All the things that we tell ourselves as believers, but I was also ignoring my gut instincts that very often were spot on because I had so disconnected myself. And so I think part of this process of integrity also involves a lot of the work that you do through We Are Full because we need to be able to integrate mind, body, and spirit. Yeah, because yeah. When those things are connected, we have a right response to the world and an accurate reading of ourselves and an understanding. We have a, a capacity to listen to ourselves, to listen to God, and to begin to listen to others. And so I think it's really powerful what you're sharing about the belt of truth and the placement of that belt and how it does undergird everything that we think and feel. And um, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, and yeah. being able to really lean into him. I just think what you're sharing is so powerful. And part of, of being truthful is reconnecting to yourself. <laughs> reconnecting Amen. to your, yeah. your needs, yeah. your wants, your feelings, your desires, mm -hmm. um, your instincts so that you can respond to the world in a way that God designs you to. Cause that's right. actually what we need. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. We need more of that in the world. And I don't mean people just going off on Facebook. I'm talking about like yes. real responses, real compassion, real understanding, real listening, um, real understanding in the world is what mm -hmm. people need. And we find that when we find the truth of Christ and we find Amen. that when we find truth in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think um, even what you were sharing in reference to like, right. Their truths, right. Cause the, the thing is mm -hmm. we also even being honest with ourselves that other truths exist. So mm -hmm. for example, the truth within us, is the Holy Spirit, right? That's right. But he ain't the only one in there. That's <laughs> so, right. <laughs> we need to be honest about that and be like, hey, before the Holy Spirit, what existed within me? Ah, that didn't think so that, all that didn't disappear. So, and then obviously there's truths in the world through social media yes. and the media and truths yes. in our, from our culture, right? Our traditions right. and what they've taught from us our in our upbringing. Yes. And our past. And there's yes. just so many truths that exist, but it's like so really looking for that capital T, right? Like seeking yeah. out the discernment to like, Lord, is this a small T truth or is this a like capital T truth Very that good. comes solely from you? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that involves a lot of things, right? That involves being in the word. Um, like we were saying earlier, that scripture, John 8, 31, it says, when you abide in my word, right? right. Like yeah. it literally is saying like, God is saying like, I have the answers for you. Um, yes. and, and you don't have to go far to find them. Right. I remember, yes. uh, when I like left the church, when I was in college, I was like, I was still looking for God. I was still looking for Jesus, but yeah. I, my, my Bible was somewhere collecting dust. Right. Yeah. But realizing <laughs> that like the truth is not far. We got, we got apps now. We got websites, yes. we got logos, yes. like come on. <laughs> We can't, we don't got to go that far. We have no excuses, right? Hello. Even if you don't got internet, you know, you can get a paper book. Like there's just so That's many right. versions. Um, there's so many ways to access the truth. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. And I'm, so, I'm grateful even thinking about, you know, the, the part, part of this podcast and what I want to also be bringing to the world is testimonies. And 
you shared it at the very beginning, um, you know, even without me even asking you to, like you were just sharing your process, which I'm so grateful for because I think um, our testimonies remind us of truth because our Come testimonies on. are not lies. They are what God right. has done. And right. so we're honest and we are consistent with not just sharing them, but remembering them yes. and writing them down or however we could, you know, what, what style we have of remembering them or, or being in them then that brings um, forth a, a process for us because then the process of trying to be set free, right? Of leaving yes. the stage, of being humble, of changing our perspective. We're reminded that like, oh, all throughout my life, I have been through processes. I can yes. do this. God will be with me, right? Yes. The, the process ahead of us looks so much bigger when we don't remember the processes that have, have come before us um, yeah. that we ourselves have been in. And so, yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that testimony. And, and I, you know, I, it's literally throughout your whole book of you just sharing your heart and your story. Uh, and again, like literally I have not read another Christian book um, or a book written by a Christian like it. Uh, and, you know, my prayer is that it, that will develop within the body of Christ more of honesty, um, you know, because I, I honestly, I'm going to say, I don't need encouragement anymore. <laughs> like, I'm good. Right. I'm good. I'm, right. I can encourage myself. It's totally. Encourage me. But like truth, right? Like truth yeah. I can eventually encourage, but also truth that can heal. Truth that can, yes. heal, truth that can correct all these things. Um, yes. Truth has the capability to do that is far beyond just encouragement. Um, yeah. Come on. So yeah, I really, I'm grateful for how you show up in the world and um, even for this conversation, how you just choose to be honest about your story, about yourself, um, and then you ha and then you wrote a whole book about it, and you you mm -hmm. have it reaching people. Sometimes I think that's the most thing I'm afraid of. Like I can share with someone, and I know I kind of can have control of how they hear what I hear, and right. But you wrote a whole book, and you have no <laughs> idea how some people in the world are going to receive this truth, um, right? And so I think yeah. that's just such a bold way to live that sharing our testimonies with people um anybody and everybody right that uh we're not sure maybe how they'll receive it um yeah. or even they'll try to change it or use it against right. us but that we're still we're bringing forth truth through our mouth in the yes. world um and that has power that has power yes. more power than what they will try to want to do with it that perhaps is evil or or opposite right that's um, exactly right. So thank you. Thank you for doing that, for encouraging, you know, just people in the world, for even just like your journey of getting to be a writer. I know you wanted to do that for a long time and become yeah. an author. And so just how God has responded to your obedience, has responded mm -hmm. to your commitment to living in freedom, um, not just for yourself, but for others. And so it's really encouraging. And um, mm -hmm. I'm going to share a few things just as we close of like what I, you know, what I heard from us talking kind of like, things that people can just do in their everyday life to be doing mm -hmm. this. And if you have any to add as well, feel free. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely the first thing I heard is acknowledging that there's a process to uh, living your truth and living yeah. honestly. And um, if you haven't been used to it, being having grace for yourself or even for others um, for their process um, and yeah. knowing that freedom is on the other side, but that we really get to have access to freedom. Freedom is not necessarily just when we gave our life to Jesus. That is yeah. a, a level and a form of freedom, but knowing that there is more to it. Um, yeah. Also humbling ourselves in that yeah. process and humbling ourselves as we see others, as we lead others uh, and things like that. And, and also inviting people into to our journey of freedom, yes. specifically people who already are willing 
to, to be honest, right? <laughs> Maybe yes. in so important. your journey that are surfaced and yeah, are totally. not willing to be transparent, but people who are willing to be honest, um, yes. and that can, that those people can be found, you know, anywhere you, may, yes. right, you can't go to church buildings. You don't got to go to church on a Sunday. Like That's those right. people can be found anywhere, whether your family, your friends, your neighborhood, um, yes. but definitely being intentional about that and really asking God for the boldness and strength to step out in faith, um, to really say your, speak your truth. Cause even in revelation, we see, I believe it's revelation 12, where it says that we will overcome, we will overcome yeah. the enemy with yes, the salvation, right? The blood of the lamb, but also with our testimony. So the yes. more we're quiet, the more we're surfaced, the more we're lying, the more we're pretending, the more we will dig this hole of our bondage that will be harder to get out of. Yeah. And so we, we get to get out of that hole, <laughs> um, yeah. conquer the enemy and live a life um, worthy of the call that God has given us. Um, and so does, those are just things that I feel that we can do in our everyday through communication with people and community, um, through our quiet time or our worship time um, and through our reflection, through therapy, right? Just all, so many that, that can be done through a lot of different ways. Our process gets to look a lot of different ways, yes. but we get to live in freedom and not in bondage um, and, and really free people, free people, right? So Come on by yeah. being free and moving towards freedom, we will create a ripple effect of other people being able to experience the same thing. Yes. Come on. Greg, you said all the things I want to, <laughs> <laughs> I want to, the only thing I would want to add is just the, um, the power of me too. And this was way before the me too movement, although yeah. I'm so thankful for it, mm -hmm. but just the power of your story. And when you really encounter someone who they then get the exhale of saying me too, <laughs> you know, it's like you are breathing life into people and you are releasing burdens off of their shoulders and you are helping them to know the direct truth against the lie that, that the enemy tells all of us, which is you are alone. You are mm. utterly alone. You are isolated. No one else has gone through this. No one else has done this. No <laughs> one else makes these bad choices. Like it's just you. Nobody else has this in their past. Nobody else is going through this thing in their family, in their home, at their school, just you. And I think when we're bold enough to share our story um, through our healing process, we really give people that exhale of, ah, me too. Yeah. I thought I was alone in this, but you know what? I'm realizing more and more how many people actually go through the same things that I go through mm -hmm. and it doesn't make, it stops making our sin special. And when you stop making sin special, you can overcome it because you realize wow. this is, this is common to people. And so my sin is not special. It is something that can be overcome and it's something other people have experienced and have also overcome. And it gives us what we really need hope. Oh, <laughs> wow. Amen. Amen. Yes. <laughs> And I mean, literally to that, like, that's exactly what I experienced when I met you. You know, I literally mm. was like, you know, you were, I was sharing, you were saying, I was like, wow, you too, me too. Right. And so there's just power mm. in that, um, yeah. that, yeah, we are literally not alone. And that is anytime we ever think that is such a lie. Um, yeah. And, and again, we want to be living in truth, right? Far yes. away from the enemy as much as we can. Yes. Uh, in the truth of Jesus. Um, so thank you, Ashley. I appreciate you so much. I love you so much. Um, I'm just really excited for your baby girl and yeah. just how you continue for your second book. Let's go. Um, just really excited for all that God continues to do, um, like for you and through you. Uh, and so, yeah, y'all, if y'all haven't already follow her on Instagram, 
at Ash Abercrombie. Um, and just make sure you check out her website, her book. It's just She just creates so many amazing things for the world um, mm -hmm. that is just healing and full of freedom. And so I'm so, 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 so grateful for you. Same, sister. I love you for life. <laughs> love you so much. Ladies, I pray that conversation blessed you and that you're able to apply some things you heard or learned to your continued growth on your faith journey. Share any thoughts or testimonies you have by leaving us a review and make sure you subscribe. Meet us here next week for another episode of Yes and Amen. And if you don't already, follow us on Instagram at The Full Garden to learn more about our growing community.